Demons Discuss, Take 24, the one with the unexpected visitors. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Hello. Happy Friday the 13th. Oh, my gosh. Happy Friday the thirteenth to you. Although it won't be when we they hear this, but yes, and also with you, it's also Happy Baldwin Day, real time read along. But that's a whole other story, and not so happy day for the Knights Templar. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll do a yay for the Baldwin Day, and oh, and, and, and a, te- a teardrop emo- emoji for the Templars, right? With the little fire emoji too. So, uh, take 24. What are we talking about today? The rest of Discovery of Witches. We're in the home stretch. That's the home stretch, but it's bittersweet. I so want to get to Shadow of Night, but I don't want to finish a Discovery of Witches, really. It's been a good ride. Oh, gosh, yes. It has been. I mean, learned so many new things this round that I haven't, I didn't even know was possible. I know. So many, so many new, rev- I don't know, thoughts and revelations. And I think it's speaking our nonsense, actually physically speaking our nonsense rather than typing it out, chatting back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Really has really yeah. enhanced the thought process, I guess as a word. Yeah. It's just, I guess our, it's just gotten more dynamic and this is, I'm so glad we decided to do this. This is just I am too. so intellectually challenging and stimulating. And well, and then layer that now with the new Facebook group. I mean, people are coming up with great questions. Great, yeah, yeah. Great ideas. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the Facebook group, since we didn't send out a discusser email this time, sorry, discussers, but um, it's been a crazy week for me. So what I did was I solicited answers from the Facebook group this time. So something new and different, and we're going to try it out. So who's going to start with that? I'll start. Okay. I have an email from Teresa, or not an email, excuse me. It's a, was it a Facebook comment uh, from Teresa? And she had a rather lengthy comment and she has a bunch of topics in there, which maybe we can get to at some other point, but she talks about genetics and the Bishop House and higher magics and the observation of Marcus and uh, Nathaniel bonding. But I'm going to read the last part of her comment, which is about uh, Sophie and bringing the chess piece. So she says, and this, it is like a time loop when Sophie brings her chess piece that was passed down through generations of family. Annie had the chess piece in 1590 before she passed. Is Sophie from this lineage? And the earring we know now was passed to Rebecca by Diana in 1590. So basically, Diana and Matthew, going back in time, actually set up the future for themselves. I get so mind-boggled trying to work out the time loop particulars. And I agree with Jean in the last episode. Just how much of a role in the future had Philippe and Stephen manipulated? Philippe started investing in women's scholarly advances after he met Diana in 1590. Was Philippe expecting a new Matthew and Diana because Stephen had forewarned him? Is this why Philippe instilled on the family to watch for the oddities and papers in history? So all good observations, good questions. Um, yeah, the time loop thing, I, I I like thinking about it to a point and then you just got to stop. <laughs> yeah, no. Totally. But I, I think we have established it's almost the a Discovery Witches that we're reading really comes after, all, all those events really comes after what happened in Shadow of Night. So it's a very interesting setup that a Discovery Witches is first, Shadow of Night a second, but really you, you could read them out of order and it would make sense. 
True. Very true. It would almost make more sense to read Shadow of Night first and then go back to read A Discovery of Witches. That's the beauty of it, though, is that you don't realize that. You read it, you know, how you read it, and then you have the revelation. Yeah, it's a time loop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Teresa. I've got one from Caroline. Yay! The word masquerade comes to mind. The trick-or-treaters are dressed up in disguise, but so is Diana, and so is Matthew in a vampire way. However, their costumes are truly meant to be a masquerade in that they are setting the scene for their disappearance or time walk into the unknown. I think setting the stage about sums it up. They're setting the scene of normalcy when in fact normal is so far from what it is reality. Back to the drawing board for further details. Thanks, Carolyn. Thank Thank you, you, Caroline. You always know how to put big ideas into very brief summations. She's very eloquent, too. So, I have one from New England Angela. Hey, Angela. She says, I really feel like this was the calm before the storm. Shadow of Night definitely was a force to be reckoned with, but after everything was set in place and everyone left the house, we are left with Diana and Matthew just being. The quiet vows, the precious moment when Matthew revealed the tokens Isabeau sent him that would bring them back to 1590. Matthew parting with his ampulla, Halloween at the Bishop House, and don't forget the tights. And then grabbing pizza and taking a hot bath because those won't be readily available for where they're going. This was a time when I think we all just stared at the chessboard and wondered what the next move would be. Because really, at this point in the first read, did any of us really anticipate what was coming in Shadow of Night? This was Diana and Matthew's moment to catch their breath before making the next monumental move. Because really, did they ever have just five minutes of peace and quiet since chapter one? And this is my comment. No, it's been, (laughs) they they Uh. have been going a million miles an hour. And she's right. This is the first time we've ever seen them just sitting and being. She says, other than the night at Septor's dancing in the sitting room and yoga with Amira and a discovery of wishes, it was a nonstop roller coaster ride that gathered more vampires, demons and witches than I Mm -hmm. think any of us ever imagined. So thank you, Angela. It's a good point. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I've got one more from Wendy. I love how Deb mixed in everyday life for Matthew and Diana, like dressing for Halloween and the trick-or-treaters with the gearing up for the supernatural with the time walk. It allowed Diana and Matthew the chance to see new sides or pieces of each other and get used to Diana's talent. I also love when Hamish gets all lawyerly and tells Marcus and Nathaniel to ignore everything Matthew just told them. I love that, too. <laughs> Don't we all love it when Hamish gets lawyerly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too. Let's dive in. First off, I love these chapters because I, I'm a nerd like this and I love to-do lists and I love the preparation and I love the whole event planning, which <laughs> is jives with my much, with my work responsibility. So I love all the little minutiae in this, how everything has a plan and Matthew's not the best planner, but I even love, well, we'll get to it, the immunization scene, which is nerdy of me, but I do like that too. He appears to have thought of everything, but as we will find out later on, maybe not. <laughs> no, I was going to say my my only I, about these chapters is <sighs> Sophie and Nathaniel. They're a conundrum. That's my big puzzlement in these chapters. Yeah, I don't know what your thought is, but I almost didn't find it believable that I well, I guess I was my suspicious self. Like, who are these people and what are they up to? Yeah. Right. Well, and then Nathaniel was every millennial I ever wanted a millennial lawyer I wanted to snap. <laughs> So, but we'll get to that when we get to their chapter. Yes, yes. So uh, we left off with the aftermath of Juliet's attack and her subsequent demise. Matthew and Diana, while physically and mentally healing from that ordeal, have come to the decision to time walk. And uh, chapter three. 39, we enter this chapter knowing there are a lot of details to unpack. So here's how we begin. 
Diana and Matthew are slowly making their way down the staircase, anticipating breaking the news to the rest of the family that they're going to time walk. And now we're sitting with Diana eating Sarah's famous scrambled eggs. Yeah, I, th- this whole whole breaking the news portion, the thing that just kind of shocked and tickled me was the fact that Sarah was the most matter of fact about it. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, this is what you need to do. <laughs> of all the people you would have expected to like lose their shit. She didn't. Yeah, no, she got all that losing her shit out of the way early. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Which, which sometimes yeah. helps. It really does, you know? Yeah. Lay it on me. Yep. <laughs> so what did you guys think when they went to the woods to review the scene after Juliet's death? It needed to be done. I mean, you needed to see what happened in the cold light of day. Yeah. Yeah. And just the whole crossroads things. I mean, I don't know that it's a sacred ground there. Yeah. I think the oak tree kind of shocked me when we find out the oak tree has been sucked of life. And then I was like, wow, mm-hmm. Diana did that. And then I'm like, no, the goddess did that. Mm. Yeah. Especially when you think about the fact it was an oak tree. It's like, oh boy, the goddess is, the goddess is like real busy here. And I don't know if that's a good thing, a bad thing, or. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to wait and see. And then Emily reports the house has added some rooms. And what did you guys think about that? What next? Yeah. I know. Just what next? (laughs) Hasn't there been enough already? I think this is the first time I noticed that Emily can silently talk to Diana, where she said, silently said, see, I told you this wasn't about Matthew or just you and Matthew. And I'm like, wow. I mean, can any other witches hear that? Or is it just a point? I I think about the logistics of it, you know? It's like when she's talking silently to somebody, is it like a cell phone call <laughs> where you dial a specific number, you know? Yeah, you have you have to be on her frequency <laughs> to hear it. And is there like a phone book for that? You know, yeah. <laughs> what's Diana's frequency? Yeah. How, does she, how does she filter out everybody else? I mean, yeah, weird things you think about. No, it's not that weird because even and I hate to jump ahead to the Book of Life, but I mean, there had to be some sparring going on between Knox and Emily. And could anyone else hear it? That would have been very informative. Yeah. And can all witches do it? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with Emily that I don't think we're ever going to get the opportunity to either. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. She was doing a lot behind the scenes that we as readers did not know was going on. Yeah. yeah. And then um, when Sarah says no one knows where the house keeps this stuff where when they add rooms and furniture and things and I'm like, where would a house keep stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I'm thinking logistically again and I'm like, it's kind of weird. But then I have to No, it, it, it's just magic. It materializes out of wherever magical stuff is kept. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mystical pod somewhere. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go into storage. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, someone someone's rifling through. Oh shoot, she wants the platter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the, what's the name of that reality show where they auction off storage units? Like storage wars. Storage wars. Storage yeah. wars. <laughs> Can you imagine the mystical storage wars? Oh my god. That's funny. But then, and, but then the house is nice enough to to clean up after itself and take stuff back. I thought that was kind of yeah funny. And then, well, 
actually, I was going to say, and then we had when Deb was on her Mary Condi kick on Twitter with her cleaning her house. I wonder if that was sort of a mystical, mystical house cleaning, I guess. <laughs> I think I really visualized the mayhem when they broke the news to everybody where everyone's shouting at once. And this is like you said, Jean, when Sarah was just the cool, calm, collected for once. Oh, yeah. She was just like, OK, whatever. Honestly, this sounds like a really weird way to put it. But it was kind of like in college when my best friend finally broke to me that the news he was telling me he was gay. And I guess afterwards he confided that, oh, my God, I was just blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was just like, OK, yeah, well, that doesn't change the fact that I want to go out with you guys tonight. Like he was so shocked, shocked and kind of upset that I didn't like have a huge reaction because I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. You're still you. Let's it's Saturday night. Let's go do something. Right. We're still going out, right? <laughs> and, that's, and that's kind of like how Sarah was. She's like, everybody was waiting for her to blow up. And she was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. I, I think after she saw what unfolded in the Grove with Juliet, she's just like, you know what? The time for me worrying about how I feel is done. This is too important <laughs> and too dangerous. We need to get this done. This is how I see it. My poor son is learning Common Core math. It's way different than we ever learned. And I feel how Sarah feels trying to teach Diana because I can't teach Brecken the same kind of mathematical magic that I learned. So he needs a tutor. And that's how I think she just resigned herself to like, you know what, this is beyond my help. She needs a bigger solution than, than I can provide. Right. Mm-hmm. And she she knows. She even says you two aren't safe here. Yeah. So you gotta yeah. go. And then Matthew says, do I count as a thing? And then Sarah's like, of course you're not a thing. You have a pulse, right? You know? And I was like, all right, Sarah, see, they just didn't understand well, you. Well, and and yeah, What's funny is the flip side of that is when they get to 1590 and Goody also pretty much says the same thing. Yeah. Matthew, yeah. Matthew has a soul. So like, how little does he think of himself? That's true. And then we get a peek at Marcus's necklace, his weird necklace. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was kind of hoping that puka shells would be involved too. But <laughs> <laughs> that would be too California surfer for you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. A girl can hope. That's true. Oh, and then Fanny. They bring oh, up the Fanny in Paris. Elusive Fanny. They yeah. called it the terrors the, for the reason. For a reason. <laughs> the history lesson, I mean, the uh, necklace was a device for a history lesson, which I, of course, loved. And I'm sure, you know, Jean did too. Oh, there's, there's lots lots packed in there. It's yeah. same, same as Matt uh, Baldwin's speech. The necklace is pretty much a speech version, only Marcus style. Yeah. Yeah. So the terrors, is that the reign of terror from the French Revolution? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. See. Exactly. Exactly. And in this whole other little section here, the one thing that I thought was really striking when when I was Diane, they're like, well, why can't Diana just go by herself? And Matthew says, I wouldn't trust my 1590 self with you, which is a precursor of, you know, everybody points to Hamish warning her that he's not going to be the same. Matthew's already done that and everybody's just sort of glossed over it. I was like, I wouldn't trust you with myself back then. But we just keep plugging down the road and then here comes Hamish and all of a sudden it becomes the the bad. Guy. Yeah, Hamish is the bad guy for warning her off with William Blake. But, you know, Matthew's already done that here. Yeah. Well, Matthew has told us about himself over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Readers tend to not listen to him. And Diana and, tended to not listen to him. Oh, you're fine. You know, you won't hurt they me. Hate him, and then they hate him in Shadow of Night. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. He warned you he was going to be like this. Everybody's warned you he's going to be like this. Right. Yeah. And he's like this. Yeah. They go into the science.
science of time walking. Well, sort of the science of time walking. Einstein's brought up again. Sarah breaks it down to make it tangible for you. She says, you know, when you're not remembering how you got to work, when you commute to work and you don't remember how you got there or... A time walker's nearby. And that happens. Yeah, yeah, a time walker's nearby. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I must have time walkers every day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or an afternoon passes and you don't know what you did. Matthew brings up the concept of past, present, future as a persistent illusion. And that's from Einstein. I think he wrote it in a letter to somebody, like a grievance letter. And I have the whole quote here that I wrote down. He says, now he has departed from this strange world a little ahead of me. That means nothing. People like us who believe in physics knows the distinction between past, present and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. And that was Albert Einstein in a letter to uh, after his pal passed, Michele Besso. Yeah, I guess he was a lifelong pal and partner. And I guess mm-hmm. they exchanged physics ideas. And so fantastic. There you go. There's what that quote was saying. He's um, Matthew was bringing up that Einstein says past, present, future is a persistent illusion. Who better to observe that? I mean, of course, Einstein said it, but who better to observe that and reinforce that than a vampire who has a straight timeline versus other people who it's more finite? Yeah. Okay. So here's where the demons show up. More demons. Yeah. Nathaniel Wilson and Sophie Norman show up to the house and Sophie revealed she's dreamed about Diana. What'd you guys think of that? Sophie... (sighs) I can't wrap my brain around Sophie. She feels more like a plot device. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. She, she's a means of imparting information and a means of getting us used to the idea of hybrids, I think. Because until Book of Life came out, never could wrap... It's like, what is she? Right. And then factor in baby Margaret to the whole thing. And I couldn't really figure out what was going on with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. She was a I demon mean, born to witches versus normally demons are born to humans. Yes. So it yeah, was... What's that about? <laughs> it was an odd <laughs> construct, or it was odd for yeah. us to have to wrap our heads around that whole concept. It was like, and then the whole concept of, of taking a son of the congregation into the fold as well. Right. Yeah. I think that's what made me suspicious, too. They were unexpected, as our title implies or states. And then it just seemed too close for home. Even though we've had the conversation or saw the conversation with Agatha, it just seemed, I don't know, I was suspicious. <laughs> well, it, but then again, on the other hand, think about this. And the, again, my brain is working over time. Don't forget about not only the Greek concept of hospitality, but also the Christian concept of kindness to strangers. I mean, these two play into both of that. Hmm. So it's kind of an interesting way to look at things, I think. Yeah. I think when I was uh, reading through this little portion this time, it hit me that Agatha was scared out of her mind when she was warning Diana early in the earlier chapters because she knew this. She knew that Sophie was pregnant because she um, Sophie started Agatha had went to Diana in September, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when Sophie started having her dreams. And we didn't know it at the time. We just thought Agatha was some antagonist coming after Diana. Yeah. But Agatha was actually looking for help. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she couldn't have gone to the people that she works with. I mean, she couldn't go to the congregation about this. No. Right. And, and here's the other thing. She already had to be pregnant because we find out in Shadow of Night, uh, wasn't Margaret born in April or May? Yeah, she was five months yes. pregnant when we're reading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I guess she quickened in September. That's when she started moving. Yes. And that usually yeah. starts in the four-month area when you're around four months along. Really weird. And another interesting thing thing. She said she was from Seven Devils in North Carolina. And I really love that name. And so I 
went ahead and I looked it up and I said it's a resort town and the name comes from the natives in the area. It's said that the wind blows across the hills in winter and it sounds like seven devils screaming in the night. Ooh, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I wonder if it's Crossroads again. Could be because they have a house too. Her grandmother has a house in Seven Devils and her grandmother's house was haunted like that, acted like the house in Madison. So mm-hmm. it probably is. And I thought I was a little creeped out when she said about her jugs that she makes and puts the faces on it. But we have a friend to a demon, um, Anne, who did a post for us and got pictures of, she went to Seven Devils and got pictures of um, the jugs. And they're, they're not as creepy as they sound, at least not to me, they um, but they're interesting. Of, yeah, they remind me more of those English face, uh, I can't remember. Toby mugs. Toby mugs. Yes. Thank you. They remind me of those. And those are all kind of comical, actually. Yeah. They're not as ornate or lavish as those, but they're still, yeah, yeah I can totally see the, the comparison. Yeah. And then we find out Sophie's baby is a witch. Wow. Yeah. But it makes sense if she comes from witches. So I, I guess yeah. I wasn't thinking that way on the first read, but I was like, here's two demons having a witch. But I'm like, she came out wrong and she's just, you know, she's the oddity in her line. Not, yeah. And not, would, the, not the Not baby. Margaret. I didn't realize their lineage, though, because she talks about her dad and, you know, being in the Navy and tying knots. And you don't realize weavers. And in, it's not until Shadow of Night that you see what the Norman line really is. Right. True. So I didn't re- I didn't think, oh, God, she's she's the exception um, yeah. because I didn't realize how special their line is. And for me, and this sounds terrible because Sophie was so all over the place, I didn't know how reliable a narrator she was. Yes. Okay, Sarah. It's like, <laughs> but, what I'm, but what I'm saying is she's like, well, the dreams, but I don't know if they're my dreams or Margaret's dreams. And even in relaying her information, she's uncertain. Yeah. It's so true. it's like, it's like she's picking what? up a bunch of messages and she doesn't know the origin. Yeah. It's like she came to Diana because she needs a whiteboard because she can't figure out what's going on. Yeah. And I think it's more set up for the reader, too. Oh, yeah. here's another unreliable, crazy demon. You know, <laughs> I don't think she was crazy. It's just there was so much to pick apart that it's like, okay, wait, so much is contradictory here. I don't know. I didn't think she was to... crazy, just flighty. I mean, I don't. So right breezy. away, I, I kind of, yeah, breezy, flighty. I just, I so I kind of shut down and it's my own flaw that that happens. But I fell hook, line and sinker if that was the intention to mm-hmm. not really take her that seriously or really trust what she was saying. This was an info dump, though. When they arrived, yes. it was a big oh, info yeah. dump. So it was confusing for the reader until you can go back and look at it and you're, you're like, oh, okay. And then Matthew maintains his suspicions along with everybody else. Oh, how convenient that they show up now. Shielding Diana, like, eh, we're not going to tell. He goes all secret of Matthew again. But I don't blame him in this case because... Uh, yeah, I was on board with yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> so Emily's making cookies and we hear about Marcus's walnuts. And yeah. <laughs> we'll put Em's nut recipe in the show notes. Yeah, there, there's an actual vampire nut recipe if you guys are interested. And I know Deb's shared it. Yeah, Very, yeah many I thought times. it was sweet that Marcus made a reference to when he was warm-blooded and he, about the chocolate chip cookies, how they smelled so good, but they tasted terrible. I, that, that's just a cute little bit of info that I like Deb threw in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was also cute that I'm trying to figure out a way to... Accommodate them. Accommodate yes. them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we find out someone followed Nathaniel and Sophie on their way up there. And Sophie mentions a book for the baby. Agatha saw the book for the baby. And that brings us back to when she visited Diana in Blackwell's in September and mm-hmm. was so adamant about the book, but she was concerned for the baby. But we find out she's in the congregation. So I think on first read, I'm like, I don't know where this is going. What the hell is going on right, right now? Right, right. 
Right. So. Well, and the other thing is, too, is that Sophie and Nathaniel fell in love and it's, she didn't even tell Nathaniel that she was a demon born of witches and they they hadn't told Agatha either. Which I think only- is wild. But I guess if you're living in a creature world like that, where things like that just isn't done, I guess yeah. you'd be mm-hmm. kind of scared to tell somebody. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, trouble was coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to scare any grandmother to be. Yeah. So in this point, Marcus is also suspicious because he gathers all the papers from the Knights of Lazarus and everything and he tucks them away. And then the knots. Sophie brings out that chess piece, but it's all tied up in that. Is it cheesecloth? A handkerchief or a piece of sailcloth, something like that. Yeah. Oil cloth. Oil cloth. Yeah. Yeah. To keep it from tarnishing. Right. And then the knots. And I remember an earlier episodes, you guys pointed this out to me that he was possibly a weaver or definitely a weaver. I don't know if that was confirmed. I don't think it was. I think it was finally confirmed after Book of Life came out. It was kind of like the macrame clues as far as weaving and the house throwing out the knitting. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I think they unwrapped it and Matthew recognized the chess piece. Then things went to a whole new level of holy crap. Yeah, yeah, I was floored as a reader. Yeah. Oh, so was I. I was like, oh, God, what's going on here? Right. And then he whispers Kit. And this is before we know anything. Mm-hmm. And All Souls Night was when he lost the bet as far as, yeah, so that's how oh, he lost. Actually, he lost the, I figured this out the other day. He lost the chess piece on All Saints Day because the chess was on Sunday. Halloween was on Saturday night yeah. in 1590 on the old calendar. And then Sunday night, he lost a chess piece, which would have been November 1st. Right. So So there's that. He says in this in this book that All Souls Night is when he lost the bet. And All Souls Night is Halloween, right? No, All Souls Night is his birthday. That's That's the second. That's the second. Okay. So now I'm confused. Yeah. Halloween, All Saints, All Souls. Okay. So he says he lost it All Souls night. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? No, I don't think so. No, no, it says says right in the text, All Souls night. I'm looking at it. But I think that there's a continuity. We found a continuity error. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait, Uh why do you say that? Um, When you actually go back and look at the appropriate calendar for England in 1590, Deb makes the comment that uh, they were playing chess on Sunday night in Chapter 3, I think, of Shadow of Night. The chess game where he lost the piece was on Sunday night. And that's actually November 1st, I think. I want to say, and I can't find it now. I'll have to do some searching. I didn't think that there was always an All Souls, All Saints Day. And I don't know when the Vatican or the started Vatican, it. Yeah, whether it was All Saints. So if, it was, if it wasn't already started in 1590, that could be the reason. But I, I don't know. And I could be just making this up. <laughs> but I thought I read that somewhere that it wasn't always an All Saints Day. Okay, so we'll look it up when we get off mic and then we'll put it on the sh- in the show notes, whatever we find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yikes! Alright. Yeah. Um, Miriam being the resi- house's resident shitster brings up... <laughs> <laughs> Brings up time walking. And Matthew was like, oh, my God, shut up, Miriam. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Or Sophie brings up that her mother time walks. And this Mm -hmm. seems really new to Nathaniel because he's freaking out a little bit. A little bit. He's like, what? You guys walk walk back in time? It's like, damn, Sophie, did you tell your husband anything? What's going on? (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought that was funny. It was. Yeah. It's like, God, how'd they get married? Right. Didn't they go through pre-Cana or something? Right. And then, Lord. Um, Sophie brings out up out of the blue, Diana will be the baby's godmother. What? But I mean, at this time, what? Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That was more, God, this girl's breezy. (laughs) (laughs) And then the house, the house has something to deliver to Diana and they're used to it by now. So they go to where the the still room, she gets the poppet, Bridget's poppet. And then Sophie goes on. So, oh, you know, my granny's house does things like this all the time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sophie was something like, wow, this, this girl is, I can't. I wouldn't be able to handle her in real life, for real. I'm like, oh, no, you're too much. Yeah, and then Bridget Bishop shows up. Yeah. Hello. It's like, oh, my goodness. And I thought it was interesting that Nathaniel continually apologized for Sophie. It's like, oh, she's tired. She gets rambly when she's tired. <laughs> no, see, oh, Nathaniel, I mean, gosh, quit mansplaining your wife, dude. <laughs> <laughs> She's imparting more important information here than you are. You're on testosterone overload. So I know. Shut up. I know. Some, sometimes men don't know when to stop. And especially when they have pregnant partners, they think that they need to mansplain. And that's so not the case. It's like, no. Oh, my God. Millennial <laughs> mansplaining. <laughs> any any generation of mansplaining is pretty shitty. No, I know. But I'm, I'm saying in Nathaniel, we've got the combination of the two when oh. they magnify one another. Yeah. It's like, okay, sit down, child. <laughs> you don't know what let, let, talking the adults, about. let the adults sort this out. All right, audience, for any millennials out there, we don't mean any harm. It's just that we're your parents. Keep that in mind. I know. We're just, you're hearing what your parents think behind your back. Yes. We're just a trio of Gen Xers just wondering what the hell's going on. Don't mind us. Okay. So... <laughs> Disclaimer, disclaimer. Disclaimer, disclaimer. And I just thought that he's in there apologizing for her and she's imparting important information like the conventicle is not just about Matthew and Diana. And she's mm-hmm. the first one that brings up a conventicle, you know. Yeah. And then we all, I'm, it's funny, everybody paid so much attention to that damn tea. I don't think we've ever talked about all of the herbs that make up the poppet. Well, what are, what are the herbs, Jean? <laughs> Rue, which shows up in everything. Rue keeps showing up in this story. Clover, broom, knotweed, and slippery elm bark. And then Sarah makes the note that it was meant to draw someone, but it's got a protection spell on it, too. Huh. Hmm. So. Almost like, almost like Ashmole 782. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that Rue can be used for so many purposes. It's the all-purpose herb. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And I even, I even did the uh, Carol Merrill Price is right. <laughs> Featuring the showcase. Right. <laughs> and for $19.99, and you will double you it. You can double your order. <laughs> just pay a small shipping fee. <laughs> I watch too much late night TV, guys. <laughs> I know. Same here. I watch too much cable TV, so you get those same ads. Uh, so we end this chapter with everyone settling in for the night, and the house did make rooms after all. And Sophie mm-hmm. asks, Are there more cookies? So don't we all ask? about the cookies. I know. Yes. So we enter chapter 40. And it's, ho- it's time to get ready for Halloween. I'm so glad that Yay. we had this kind of chapter with the pumpkin carving and yeah. the cute stuff. And I'm glad that uh, Juliet's little incident
incident did not deter them from their daily walks because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Matthew and Diana returned from the walk and Sophia's carving pumpkins. And I laughed. I really did laugh when um, Diana describes Sarah's pumpkin carving with a screwdriver. Just poke, yeah. poke, yeah. poke. Okay, done. Good. I, I reread that or I listened to it the other day and like raised my hand. Yep, I did it. <laughs> And Matthew has come up with a plan. When has he not come up with a plan? But it's a plan. It's Matthew's plan. And Marcus and Nathaniel are huffing about it. More millennial men upset. See, Nathaniel, just the fact that he pops in out of nowhere and, uh, okay, swear jar, (laughs) all the dick swinging. It's like, dude, sit down and listen for a minute. This is not the big head scary vampire here is not the one you want to cross. And yet you're not going to win this contest. It's just not going to happen. No. And it really doesn't really serve much of anything. At the end of the day, it doesn't really serve the story and it doesn't really... I disagree. I think it does. How? Um, when Hamish came in later mm-hmm. and he pulls all the heads of the households away and they go through their little talk, Hamish comes out and says, okay, skip everything Matthew just told you. Just skip it. Never mind. Here's our new plan. And Nathaniel did have some valid points. I Here's where I agree with you. He was arguing about them all wrong, especially with a dude like Matthew. Yeah. And then then he got mad when it was, he kind of got upset when he was pointed out that he was arguing, going about it all wrong. But again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, millennials. I did kind of agree with Diana, though, when she chastised Matthew and said, you know what? These are grown men and you're treating them like children. Uh, and I'm so guilty <laughs> of this. <laughs> That's the only way you keep your sanity, Val. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, here's the thing. Yes, you're, you're, they're, you're cheating, treating them like children. Yes, they're grown men and you're treating them like children. But when they act like children, it's they're gonna get kind it. of a reflex. It's kind of a reflex action. Especially if it's you have children. Like, <laughs> it's just like very young, inexperienced lawyers. It's like, listen to me. You go about it this way and you're going to be paying for it for years or, you know, approach it a little differently. and It'll make life easier for you. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm out of law school. I've got my bar number. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. It's like, and then they piss off the judge's clerk for the next five years and can't understand why they can't get anything done in that courtroom. Yeah, that's like me yelling at pilots. And it's like, oh, yeah. no, I graduated top of my class from the academy. There's no way. Oh, you know, first day of flying out in the real world, they get safety violations. They get this. They get that. <laughs> and it's like... I told you. I told you, man. <laughs> Dude. I did tell so you. Imagine, so imagine yeah. Matthew. He's 1,500 years plus, And these his kid's like 30, maybe. I yeah. don't even think that. In human years. No, he's, he's in his mid-20 in human years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I get it, c- considering yeah. I have a child about that age and he does dumb shit. And it's like... Uh, bite, bite your tongue. He's just going to have to learn this on his own. But I can't. I never can. All right. So uh, the shots, all the medicine, the medicine all arrives. (laughs) You guys hate this. I like it. I I don't like. I hate needles. I don't love the shots. I hate needles. That's why I just go. I don't know. I like the description. I like the history lesson. I mean, he talks about Edward Jenner versus William Harvey versus President Jefferson. I don't know. I liked it all. Oh, yeah. I know. I get that. And Mm -hmm. I like the preparation. I I don't know. The devil's in the details. And I I don't know. I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I. 
I didn't even think about needles. Quite honestly, I had flashbacks. <laughs> well, you have good reason. I, I had flashbacks when I was pregnant with Devin. I couldn't get any shots, but while I was pregnant with Devin, all of my shots came overdue. And so when I came Ugh. off a of maternity leave, my boss is like, "You need to go to the clinic and get your shots updated because you're not worldwide qualified." And I'm like, "Oh God!" So me just being okay, rip the bandaid off. I'm like, "Okay, give them to me all at once." And I yeah. felt it. She was so good with that description. The sweat that just, uh, you feel nauseous. And, and then it's not, you know, it just keeps know. going and going. Uh. Although I did love the fact that he started talking about Jefferson and is like, yeah, like I'm going to bring you to meet him, bring you to meet him and drop a blue stacking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It's like, wow, yeah. that puts Mr. Jefferson in a whole new light. Right. Well, it does. And it didn't seem like he looked back that fondly on him because he he said that he was so dismissive over William Harvey's um, discovery. But yet we find out re- more recently from Deb that he's a good friend of Matthew's. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe this passage was more, yeah, he's my friend and everything else, but he is difficult to deal with. Yeah. Which also makes me wonder if he's a demon. He's a demon that uh, Matthew was willing to cut slack for like he did Kit. Yeah. I mean, he said he's so, he, he was always full of words, a man full of words. So maybe Matthew for once couldn't get a word in edgewise. I don't know. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. And then the house adds another room. And at this point, oh I'm boy. just like, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, <I> know. Know. <laughs> Here comes, it's like, is it going to be Isabel? Who is it going right. to be? Who will it be? It's clever, though. And the next morning, we find out. And it's somebody that the house is willing to welcome. So it's like, oh, the yeah. house is very wide ranging and welcoming. And it. it's certainly not a prejudiced house. It's welcoming all manner of creatures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the next morning, Hamish comes in. He shows and up. Val is so thrilled. And Hamish is, he was a little bit pissed. I was wondering what was going on with my Hamish, but he told us. He was, <laughs> <laughs> he was no nonsense. He was uh, really pissed with Matthew when he showed up and he was like, I joined your family firm. I was told I'd never received one of these letters. And uh, I'm going to assume it's one of those letters that he wrote in Philippe's office, right? Yeah. yeah. Most, yeah. Yeah. And then this is what I don't like about crowded houses. Everybody gathered around to see what the hubbub was about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and half of the house could hear because they're vampires. Yeah. So they, they, yeah. they could be outside in the orchard yeah. and hear. <laughs> and, then Hamish, and then he goes, well, you're the nice knight. You don't, you can ignore this letter, which I think pisses off Hamish even more. It's He's like, like why, why send it to me? Yeah. I could have been going off in my nice little life with sweet William, but no. <laughs> Right. Or Hamish. And now they're a proper conventicle because he was the last demon. So back in the dining room, Matthew and Diana tell their tale. Well, one more. Wait, here's one more thing that I thought was really interesting that Hamish has a a visiting relationship with Isabeau. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, that's interesting. She has she has a soft spot for demons, too, or at least a tolerant spot for them. Well, I mean, when they're BFFs (laughs) with Matthew and see, okay, and here's the difference. And here's why that didn't shock me. Hamish was established as Matthew's best bud, right? And yeah, right. versus Chris, who, yeah, okay, we're not even. <laughs> I, I can hear that in your voice, Valerie. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. You're like Chris. It's not like, it's not like it, wait a minute. This this is jarring, but it's it's more along the lines of okay. It's interesting because Isabel starts out as being very kind of like Sarah, and that I'm I, I'm a vampire matriarch, vampire. Yes, and then. 
And it's like, yes. okay, she was she changed her mind about Diana and and her long held prejudice for witches. Mm-hmm. And then Hamish shows back up and he's like, yeah, your mom and I are thick. You know, your mom and I are thick as thieves. Now, right. and I, it wasn't like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense in the sense of in the progression of the story. It was more like, okay, Isabel's more flexible in her beliefs than she came across. Initially thought she right. came across yeah. initially. Not that there was some sort of retcon going. <laughs> no, I never <laughs> thought you thought that, but it just brought up visions of Chris, yeah, and I just got started getting blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Hear <laughs> I started getting blood rage. Sorry about that, audience. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> I would like to, I would like to point out, like we said in our last episode, um, Baldwin and his popularity. Another point from his empathy is at this point we have to assume he's being cut out of the info loop because he's a French master yet I don't hear any uh, discussion of including him yeah or informing mm-hmm. him. Why do you think that is? Do you think everybody was slightly scared of him? I, I think it, now that we bring it up anyway. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, I don't know about scared, but they certainly called him for the oubliette. I mean, yet they I don't know. He's like a convenience, which kind of annoys me. <laughs> Well, since we're talking about annoyances, let's bring up. Well, here's a. I think I think this is I think this is a an instance where Isabel was being the secret weapon because she called on called on Baldwin when it's like okay he is the man for the job right and then yeah. when with Hamish and Hamish visiting with Isabel it's like well who's good at who's good at Matthew managing Hamish is yeah and who's good at imparting information and getting Matthew to listen Hamish is so Isabel dispatches Hamish with the stuff that she was just supposed to ship over. I think this is uh, a lot of Isabel intuitively managing the situation and managing her son. I thought the letters were written and Alain took them. Yeah, but... And Alain knew what to do. So when did Isabel really... That's why I said intu- that, that's why I thought her? it was very... It's intu- more intuitive with her. And I don't... And the letter didn't tell Hamish to bring this stuff to him. It was... I think there was also a communication from Matthew subsequent to that letter that said, hey, mom, I I need the mother. I need this stuff. And Hamish may or may not have shown up there, going, "Okay, what? Just what is going on?" Right when I he got the letter, or she, yeah. or she mm-hmm. asked him to hand carry the stuff over, knowing that he got a letter. Well, in the book, Hamish was headed over to Isabeau's anyway to find out what the hell was going on. Yeah. And then Isabeau said, well, since you're going to head that way, let's not make a lawn move. How about you go and take this stuff? Yeah. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> of course. And, and, and that's, you know, she was being... Isabeau. Exactly. I mean... Yeah, no. Isabeau was being uh, thrifty and thinking about expedience. Hey, why don't you take this to Matthew? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can see why it wouldn't be Baldwin, but it's still at this point, he's not being that we know of clued in. I mean, and I say that because it doesn't seem like he knows what's going on in the beginning of the book of life. So <laughs> we basically when we first read this, we basically stopped thinking about Baldwin. Well, most of us Absol- did. Yep, I know. Yeah. I mean, Matthew wasn't, did wasn't because all. he even brought up Baldwin's fury. So he didn't dro- he didn't drop it. No, but the reader did. Yeah. And I don't think that if not for Isabel, I don't think Baldwin would even be in this book because Matthew certainly wouldn't have called him. OK, so we're back in the dining room mm-hmm. and Matthew and Diane. Diana, tell their tale. Um, Nathaniel's comments about how war is fought now, when I read it this time, it just brought up last year in the election. Okay, look, I'm not going to get political, you guys, but last year in the election and the bots and everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's how war is fought right now. 
It really is. Mm-hmm. You don't drop bombs anymore. You start yeah. it misinformation campaigns. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So yeah. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so they have this, you know, heated conversation. And then Matthew and Nathaniel get into it, of course, again. But can I just point out one thing that Matthew says that kind of makes me laugh, considering the way he's so dismissive of uh, Baldwin? He's lecturing Nathaniel. And he says, but some of the combatants have lived through those times. And they have a sentimental attachment to destroying people the old-fashioned way. Leave this to me and Marcus. Hmm. Okay, so pot, meat, cattle? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although I have to say that I think Baldwin has probably progressed more than Matthew has in some ways since he likes to destroy people financially instead. Yeah, he's moved on. Yeah, so there is that. So I wonder, I mean, almost in a way, Baldwin and Nathaniel seem to have more in common. Yeah, Matthew hasn't. Hmm. I think this is going to be an ongoing theme. I think just Matthew just doesn't like Baldwin. I mean, that's, I think, I think if they didn't have their conflicts early on, I think they would get along better than most people think. And which makes me wonder if there's more conflicts than just uh, Eleanor. There has, well, there had to be conflicts long before that because it's like right after he got turned, they didn't get along. So I got to wonder what happened in the 6th and 7th century. Either that or, you know, Matthew being, Matthew just being broody the way he is. Well, but, and here's, but here's the whole thing. 6th and 7th century, 7th century, somewhere along there, then Fernando comes into the picture too. Hmm. early, Early on. There's a whole bunch of dynamics going in there when Matthew the first couple of centuries, Matthew's a vampire that really had me curious now. Anyways, back to our 37th day or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> We're going to drive out of the ditch now. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good thing I've got four wheel drive. That's right. There you go. All right. So Nathaniel's like on the verge of dragging Sophie out of there and leaving. Yeah. And Sophie announces that she has had visions that the congregation was coming from them. And that kind of shut Nathaniel up. So yes, the heads of the family all convene uh, because here's where Hamish really shows his leadership. And I was like, go Hamish. He was yes. like, okay, everybody out except for Nathaniel, Matthew. And uh, then it, then Sarah's like, why do we got to leave? Okay, you should probably stay too, because I guess he sensed that Sarah was head of that family. Yeah. But I, I found it a little odd that he wouldn't have Diana in there too. You She's know? not the head of the family, Sarah is. Yeah, that's true. You're right. And then we've got Miriam eavesdropping. Miriam keeping oh my score. God. I, you gotta love her. You just gotta love <laughs> yeah, her. I know. Yeah. And then after that's all done and they are, they've all come out with, I guess, a new plan because Hamish told them to ignore it. He asked the question of Diana. Are you sure of him? And this is where Diana's like, whoa, what? Of course what? I'm sure. He's mine. He, you know, he's going to be my Matthew. And I, Hamish didn't mean that as yeah. far as because no. I mean, she thought physically, but Hamish meant emotionally, mentally, everything. Are you sure you know him? Are you yeah. sure you're being clear eyed about this? Yeah. So. so now we enter chapter 41. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're winding down, guys. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. And there's Hamish being all lawyerly and doing all Yay. and making me happy because he's got a seal and he's being Mr. Notary and Mr. Here I go. Let's, let's escape plan because estate planning before you go on a trip is always a really cheery way to start things out. Yep. Let's plan it's, for disaster. It's, very, it's fiscally prudent. Not, it is indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think it got real for me when uh, he brought out the letter to have her sign for Diana Sickly. 
It's like, okay, you're going to take, you're requesting a leave of absence and your doctor signed this. And I'm like, whoa, they really thought of everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And the whole, mar- the whole marriage portion. Oh, the marriage agreement. Yeah. Yeah. The marriage agreement and the dowry. Well, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a dowry, but um, her sep- you know, he established separate property for her. And yeah. Like her settlement, the marriage settlement. And then the whole thing about, you know, then we start list- listing Matthew's house, the houses he gave her. I know. Oh. That's where I was in love. The villa yeah. outside Rome. Now, I'm really curious about that the potential. One. I know. Jets and houses and money and just, wow, she hit the lottery. But why do you think Matthew kept the marriage agreement <laughs> from Diana? That that makes me curious. Why did he not His tell her this? Lack of confidence that she loved him still. You think? He always kept wanting to give her a way out. Yeah. So, But I mean, telling her about the money is the way out. She's still around and he says, hey, you have all this money and you don't even need to stay with me to keep it. It's yours. You know, that's a great test, you would think. Well, that's a modern <laughs> test. I guess it's so. It's a very modern test. So. He doesn't think, I wouldn't think he thought that way. Right. And then, of course, Diana has a fit. Well, what do you mean I have to think about this? I'd rather not. Of so, course. Yeah. Well, most Sufficient people. Sufficient unto the day. Most people react that way when they're actually confronted with, God, I'm planning for my own mortality. So, I mean, yeah. that is totally expected and I've seen it. People kind of freak out when you actually give them, here's your, here's all your estate plan to sign and then they all mm-hmm. kind of like you get you they get this look on their face like Ugh. I guess that kind of shocks me or I don't know why it should shock me but it does considering I've been writing will since I was 19 oh yeah every time well, I went somewhere right? yeah, <laughs> yeah they make you do that it's, it's re- yeah it's reality and, yeah. and then you know when we were talking to my mom and she's like I finally went to a lawyer and I'm like what's the big deal it's no big deal you know yeah I've done it 15 million times mom yeah it's like like, oh, yeah. And then we move on to the Brotherhood. Yeah. And then first first order of business, they start admitting demons, which has Miriam losing her shit. What do you mean? You can't you can't let demons in. It's like, why not? That's the only way you're going to get in, ultimately, Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think part of that is like, oh, if I can't be a knight, they can't be knights. What? <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's like, well, wait a minute. They can't even fight, but you're not going to let me be a knight? This is ridiculous. Right. Right. (laughs) Honor and long life. Hmm. Miriam got sentimental there for a second. Yeah. She hadn't heard that in a long time. That kind of makes me sad. And then the demons leave. Sophie and Nathaniel leave. And then Hamish leaves. Mm -hmm. And then it's just Emily, Sarah, Matthew, and Diana once again. And they time walk back to Septour. What'd you think of that? No, we, Marcus and you... Mark, well, Marcus and Miriam left too, so. No, they didn't. Not till later. Oh, time walk to step chores. I'm sorry. I like, they didn't time walk, time walk. So what'd you guys think of that when they time walked back? I didn't know what I thought. I mean, it was. I found it a little surreal. Yeah. Because she mentioned that the conversations didn't go exactly the same. I'm like, they could possibly change history. Yeah. yeah. And all sorts of things because that was before love was declared and. Yeah. Anything could have gone wrong there. So I was a little trepidatious. Yeah, I. I did, yeah, exactly. I was too. And I mean, now having the the uh, fortune of knowing what we know over the past five years, I mean, it makes sense that Deb describes time travel as a tree with infinite amount of branches mm-hmm. and branches stemming off of branches. So now that totally makes sense right. with all the with the parallel universes and the multi multiverse. Yes. Maybe you can explain that to me one day because... <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying. And then when I think I have it, something else will enter my mind. And I'm like, but what if this? Yeah, and it throws me all off. It's just mm. and for someone who did well in physics, 
throughout school. Quantum physics was not one of the ones I did well. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Well, I, I have that book, um, the, Illustrated, uh, the Illustrated A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. And I always throw that illustration out there and that makes perfect sense to me. So maybe I we can include that in the show. Sounds like a plan. We shall. That's the one with the train and, and the loops. Yeah. Yes. And the trees and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Okay. So Emily and Sarah plan their uh, departure when they get a wayward phone call from their pals and they say the goddess must be hard at work. And it's kind of a zigzaggy way across the country. They're going from New York to Arizona to Seattle and then they're going to fly off to... Then they're going to fly back to France from Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, way to make a nice zigzag across the country and then fly across the country again and then fly across the ocean. If you think about it, it's it's not going to raise suspicion because it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, or or it's not going to raise any suspicion (laughs) because the way they're traveling is so haphazard and the fact that they're just traveling, you know, they're doing the old people wander around in an RV kind of thing, which would certainly raise They're not taking I-90 or I-40 or I-10 straight across. They're going zigzaggy. They're going to touch all three of those. (laughs) Yeah, and wander around. I mean, they had time. They didn't have to get to said tour right away. And like you said, it wouldn't raise any suspicion with with friends or with anyone who might be watching. Right. And then they say goodbye to Marcus and Miriam. But I love the dinner dinner thing about Marcus. I mean, preview for the upcoming book. You know, Matthew T. Marcus about his disastrous real estate deals in the 19th century, his enormous investments in new technology in the 20th that never panned out, and his perpetual weakness for redheaded women. Hmm. <laughs> all. I knew I liked you. Mm-hmm. She fluffed her hair. <laughs> I knew I liked you, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and went all cougar and gave him some more whiskey on top of it. <laughs> have, a, have a drink. <laughs> Here you go. Right. Uh, but now, now, I'm, now I'm wondering just clearly Uncle Baldwin did not take him under his wing when it came to making investments, which makes the fact that he brought Ernst into a human Ernst into the firm even more interesting. So skipping ahead, audience, yes. just in case you haven't read future books, just letting you know. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> We've done a lot of that today. So there you go. I know. And we have throughout yeah. this whole book. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, it's like, we, mm-hmm. we hop around, but we do warn you. We, we spoil. Yeah. Oh, and then we've got the little trick or treaters. See, I, the, the trick or treaters touched me so much more than the time walk back to Septours and the rehashing the dancing. I thought. All right, so we're into chapter 42 plus, now. Yes, yes. That was just letting the audience know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in chapter 42, uh, they have pizza uh-huh. and the goo goo eyed cashier at the pizza place. The pizza parlor. <laughs> <laughs> With the, I don't know, it's not that out of a combination, but is it pepperoni and mushrooms? Yeah. I'm like, hmm. I like sausage and mushroom personally, okay. but that's just me. Yeah, me too. I like mushrooms on pizza. Ugh. Well, that's because they use those crappy canned <laughs> mushrooms most of the time. Yeah. I love those. I love those. <laughs> <laughs> I like mushrooms, but on pizza, for some reason, it's no good to me. Huh. I don't know. Interesting. Um, now, I like um, artichoke on pizzas. That is good. Mm. Yeah. And Matthew, we find out Matthew likes playing house with Diana. Uh-huh. And she's got extra sensitivity on her neck where she got bit. Oh. 
<laughs> I did like this doting side of Matthew. I was like, I, it was kind of coming to a nice, quiet close, you know, smooth landing. Here we go. Yeah, yes. a little bit, and I liked how he was a little bit more of the, the quiet time, calm before the storm. Yeah. Just yes. like New England Angela said, we needed this. Yeah. We needed to just chill. I needed the breather. Yeah. 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 And the black dress and the stocking. Aww. Yes. <laughs> and the trick or treating. Who didn't love that? I normally don't I like cheesy scenes like that, but like I was just like, oh, the little vampire and the little witch. How cute. Oh, yeah. Well, and I like cute. how they played it off, how both Diane and Matthew, I mean, real creatures, and they played it off yeah. on Halloween to the yeah. kids. Was, Indulged them. And then Sam and friend shows up. Oh, yeah. I like Sam. I thought Sam yeah. was fun. Yeah. I, I wish we would have seen a little bit more of Sam, more of Sam and later on down the line instead of the cheerleaders. To me, it was such a demonstration, though, of what Diana missed in her childhood when these kids could easily just put out these candles and Diana is still struggling to light a candle. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man. And, and he's got, I mean, and Rob and Rob and Sammy are both, you know, they both have powers and they're just, I can't, that, yeah. that, They've got witch friends. She never had a witch friend. Yeah. Right. It's true. And they think it's just cool when they yeah. hear Ooh, there's a vampire. A vampire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just like, cool. You know? Yeah. It was like almost kind of Beavis <laughs> and Butthead. He's the only yeah. vampire I've ever seen. He's the only vampire yeah. you've ever seen. And it just kind of demonstrates the difference between the generations where, mm -hmm. you know, their parents are probably really, really suspicious of of vampires and they're yeah, just and like, like oh that's fucking cool dude, that's cool dude <laughs> well not unlike a reflection of society today yeah. you know yeah it's true yeah flip off the pumpkins yep <laughs> <laughs> got it yeah i know i love this whole halloween scene and it just as you know i found that picture of my kids the mm -hmm. the witch and vampire yeah. so oh, i just I it resonated picture. with me this this time around <laughs> i'll put that in the show notes too yes that's pretty cool um and then faustus after all oh. All this is done. They go through Isabeau's uh, package and they bring out Faustus. And that's one of the things they're going to time walk with. Uh-huh. And the inscription from Kit. That was the thing that he asked for. All the rest of that stuff was like, uh, I didn't ask for this, but why? But it, see, and this is where I'm like, Isabeau, every time something like this happens, is I'm like, how did Isabeau know to send this stuff? Right? I think she, I right. didn't think that at all. Yeah, but I, and, but the thing is, I always, I never thought it was like, oh, well, Philippe told her to do it. I always thought she still has, she may not say, Think she has the sight anymore, but she does. She's got a certain intuition about her. Yes. 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 It, her her visions may have changed format. Yes. But I still think she has that. She might have been going through Matthew's things and said, "You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this in just in case. I'm not sure what it's for. I'm not sure why I want to do this, but I need to do this. I need to just throw this yeah. in the package. He might need it, you know. And then Isabeau's ring. Oh no, let me not skip. Kit loved Matthew. Matthew, what did you guys think of that? I mean, take yourself back before we knew Kit. I know that's hard to do. Well, I, I, <laughs> whoever loved that love not at first sight, and the first thing she thought it was Shakespeare, and then he says, not originally, he replied, his face tense. So, I mean, Shakespeare stole more than what we see later on down the line from Kit. And Shakespeare's a little bit shady. Yeah, and clearly Matthew was never, appro never approved of it because she was like, no, no. no. Matter of fact, we did a blog post on that. Yeah. 
Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I mean, in his defense, Deb, Deb has said uh, Shakespeare was a magpie, and a lot of writers then and now are magpies. Mm-hmm. This is so true. And it could Air be... quote, inspired. It could be <laughs> totally unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. So Kit loved Matthew. Let's go back to that. What'd mm-hmm. you guys think? Yeah. I was surprised, and I th- I for, it, it didn't even dawn on me until Matthew said it, but I didn't love him in that way. I thought, oh, ma- maybe Matthew had that kind of relationship with him. Yeah. I mean, he's lived an awful long time. You think that you, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, and then we raised a certain amount of hell in eyebrows. I mean, okay. You raised yeah. eyebrows. You may, I mean, apparently, in this paragraph right here, the way Matthew's talking, it's like, well, you know, in retrospect, maybe I let him on. Maybe. You know. Maybe. I, maybe, maybe he maybe wasn't as self-aware as he as he is now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is, you know, gestures he just took is, you know, he's just my close friend. It's like everybody else in the world is looking at him like, are those guys lovers? Yeah, right. Because they knew how Kit was. Uh Uh-huh. And now he's hanging out with this guy. It's like, oh, they must be together. Well, not to mention the fact it sounds like Kit was pretty open about the fact that he was really into Matthew and Matthew, Matthew's really oblivious about people's feelings towards him. And I doubt it was any any different with Kit. He just probably yeah, he's just a good friend. Positive and negative. He's really oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> and then Isabeau's ring. What'd you think of that? That was touching. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's a pretty big gift and a and pretty big endorsement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, prior to looking at Deb's uh, posts about it, I had never seen a ring like that. I, of course, I've no. I've seen, you know, the Irish version where it doesn't separate. Yeah. I've seen the modern version, you know, but I have never seen one that opens and splits into a puzzle. Besides the puzzle rings right. you get in like the Middle East. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but. Uh, this type of ring I had never seen before. So I was fascinated by it. Well, and then when you think about when that ring was made, the, the tools that they had to do the metalworking and the just how intricate and how small that thing was and, and everything, yeah. all the work and filigree and everything else that was going on with it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was all hand-tooled. It had to yeah. be. I don't think I appreciated that at the time, reading it. I mean, and now the description is just so romantic and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. And, and, to, and to obviously we now know that it was inspired by a real ring that's in the V&A museum but um, I didn't I didn't I couldn't wrap my head around it I just okay it's a ring it's a special ring and yeah. it's an endorsement yeah yeah. and then there was the rest of her package uh, there was what did, well, uh, Diane, but the Ampula then, okay so he, he takes it all out and then she's like oh we're going to 1590 right and she's she's like oh well she's laying out an itinerary like like she's Carolyn and she's got her folder going well I want to do this <laughs> and see that and <laughs> 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 can you introduce me to someone <laughs> no, I'm not Carolyn with my folder. We're going there so you can learn about witchcraft. <laughs> yes. Slow down, lady. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then they took their vows. I thought this part was unnecessary. This is my critique. I, just the three times, you know. Three is a magic number. I guess so. <laughs> one, one, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself because this would be time number two. That yeah, I was going to say three is a magic number and three is the number of types of creatures. Okay. I don't know. I'm, we can I'm go free with that. Sty- I'm freestyling here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Matthew leaves a note for Sarah in this one book that he didn't remember writing an inscription of. And well, for those of you who have not read Shadow of Night, the answer is in the end of Shadow of Night and we'll get there when we get there. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes time for them to time walk. So they change their clothes Mm -hmm. into these old night clothes or what? what, How did they describe that? I don't have my book. Night night shirt. Night shirt. Night rail. Night rail. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just picturing Matthew just standing there in a 
shirt with his little skinny legs. <laughs> I was I was picturing the night before Christmas where they put the, the stocking cap on and the the long the long linen nightgown. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's not that far off, right? <laughs> and then they go to the hot barn and they talk about where they're going. So Dan- Diana can picture where they're going, and then um, it's time together. We lift our feet no, and stepped into the unknown. Said goodbye to Tabitha, Aww. which was cute. Yeah, Aww. goodbye, so Mom sweet. Oh, so <sighs> that was the end. Diana and Matthew are gone, and we enter chapter 43. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was addicted. I was totally addicted by this time, and I didn't have Shadow of Night on on hand, so I was like rocking back and forth. Like I need to know. I was googling. I was searching. I was did everything. Forty-three yeah. was the book in my hands. Such a great chapter to finish this book on because there is so many intriguing tidbits. Yeah, tidbits. Yeah, tidbits. So tidbit is a good word, and it, it was so also evocative. And you get the sense not only okay, so we take the step into the unknown, and you've got Matthew and Diana time walking. But when Sarah comes and M come back and walk through the house one last time and, and close it up, I mean, to me, there uh, there was more of a feeling of finality there than there was with them taking the step into the unknown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, um, this is one of the parts. Well, one of the areas that brings tears to my eyes and I didn't bring it up that other episode because I had changed my mind at that point. There's so many in here. <laughs> um, yeah. When Sarah returns to the house and Emily is like, oh, yeah, they made it. And they're t- and Sarah's like, are they OK? And Emily's like, they're together. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm like, oh. And the thing from uh, Shadow of uh, the Shadow of Night, um, George Chapman's poem oh, in the, there, 1594. The George, yes. Yeah. And then where Sarah runs her hand over that poem and has a clear picture of Diana in 1590, complete with a big ruby necklace that Matthew mm-hmm. gifted her. And uh, just, uh, yeah. yeah, I was hooked too. I, I was done. After that, I was like, I must have more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well. And I got more because my mom was a librarian at the time. And I Uh, asked her for, look, I I don't know how you need to get this, but I need to see this book. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the thing that that just absolutely got it for me is when the ampulla, the blood and the mercury all melded together and the house sighed with relief and released a forgotten forbidden scent. The cinnamon and blackthorn, honeysuckle and chamomile dancing in the air. Oh, my God, you guys. Right there. Oh, Oh, I know. I feel exhausted right now just thinking about this, this one <laughs> right. little ending of the chapter it's like oh so sad but we got shadow of night coming okay so audience this ends this portion of the discussion we are done with the discovery wishes yay we're Maybe. never done with Aww. the discovery wishes <laughs> Never. I know, right? I know, I know. I think we I can't can, quit. We, it took us, what, 23 episodes to get through Discovery of Witches? And I feel like we can do it all over again and find new stuff. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh. Well, it depends on our future. We, I mean, we can't see our future. We may do it again. <laughs> Right. Who knows what we're doing in a year or two? It's like, well, hey, well, let's right. go through it again. Here's the whole thing. We're going kind of, to kind of go through it again when the TV show comes out. That's true. This is That's true. true. Well, and I wonder if like the Marcus book or even uh, the World of All Souls is going to make sense of oh. some of the things that we were asking in some of these episodes. Yeah. Oh, the World of All Souls. Oh, my God. So we could actually have revisit episodes. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking too far ahead. And I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Are you guys ready to do housekeeping? Sure. Sure. All right. 
housekeeping? We got housekeeping, everybody. Who's going first? Angela? I will go first. Um, we have a review, an iTunes review. Thank you. We live for iTunes Yay! reviews. Well, five-star ones anyways. <laughs> We're waiting for the other but shoe to is, drop, you guys. Well, I know. <laughs> I know. But keep as long as we can, we will uh, want the five-star ones to keep coming. So if you haven't given us a review on iTunes, feel free. Um, but this one is from Team Awesome. And I just want to give a shout out to Team Awesome. You are awesome. I see you on social media. So I see you and I'm waving. Anyways, uh, she says, Demons Discuss is a demon delight. Five stars. This witty, hilarious, and bit naughty podcast is a must for fans of All Souls Trilogy. Angela, Jean, and Valerie keep me in great company and stitches on my one hour, 15 minute commute. In this world where it feels like it isn't cool to like things, I appreciate the vibrant energy and enthusiasm these ladies bring to their discussions. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Much. Yes, thank you. From the naughty one. I can see why you're called Team Awesome. <laughs> I know. And an hour and 15 minute commute. Holy crap. I will never complain about my 42 minute commute no. again. No, I feel Holy. your pain, Team Awesome. Mine's just about <laughs> as long, but at least it's, wow. it's going out of town rather than across town. So there is that. Ugh. Yikes. Who do you have, Gene? I have Valerie from Pennsylvania. Yay. Yay. Hey, demons. I was able to stream for a good part of the con and I thought it was great. I really enjoyed your panel. It made me look at a few characters like Satu in a different light. My all-time favorite part was when the location of next year's con was announced. I'd been hoping for something a little closer to home so that I could attend and had this little fantasy would come to Philadelphia. I'm so excited it's actually happening. Can't wait for the next podcast. Valerie from Pennsylvania. Thanks, Yay! Valerie. And we will see you Yay, in Philadelphia you. next year. God willing. Oh, we'll be there. I know. Well, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> North Korea. <Anything>. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Team not so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, she brings up North Korea. Oh, North Korea. Boy, let's hope we make it through this year, man. <laughs> it is Friday the 13th, okay? I know, I I'm know. I'm feeling certain about anything right now. I know. Hopefully, when the listeners listen to this, Friday the 13th has gone by without incident. So here we go. All right. Um, mine is from Dora and shouts Dora. We met her at All Souls Con. Oh, so awesome. She's hugs. Hugs to Dora. And she says, hello, dearest demons. This is a little late, but just in case, I have to share my thoughts and love for Baldwin. She's a fellow Team Baldwin with you guys. Ah, welcome. welcome. <laughs> From the very first moment of his arrival at Septours, and really before he enters the scene, you can feel that something big is coming and noting immediate reactions of his family. Before he enters the room, Isabeau's eyes glisten, Matthew stiffens, and Mark rolls her eyes. We learn early on that he's Philippe's favorite son, most like his father, perhaps the reason for Isabeau's reaction. Isn't that just what you guys said? Totally. See, we're late reading your email, Dora. We just have had long episodes for yes. the past few. All right. To continue on, you are made very aware that Mark doesn't take to his nonsense. And then she goes, laugh out loud, the flying copper kettle. Most importantly, though, we learn his name almost immediately and that he's an excellent tracker, appears to be more practical than Matthew, is the head of the de Claremont family and was called for Diana's sake. Despite his flaws, I love his loyalty because he does come when called by his family and he keeps his oath to the Knights of Lazarus, even if he believes Matthew is using this as a personal gain and there's concern for his brother, if not his voice or his actions. It was in his eyes. Love that. I want him in Matthew's corner. And this was prior to us meeting her in NOLA. She says, can't wait to meet you in NOLA. Love the podcast. Demon kisses, Dora. And thank you, Dora. Thank you, Dora. Thanks, Dora. Hugs. <laughs> so now we have a save it for the show. You guys ready for this? Yes, ma'am. Oh, boy. All right. 
Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. The All Souls Trilogy is not Outlander. Let us count the ways. Go ahead, guys. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we see a lot of uh, uh, what we've seen as the TV show is coming to production. Even before that, even before we knew who's going to be cast. This is how they did it in Outlander. This is who should be cast from Outlander. This is who they should get to produce the musical score. This is who they should get for the director because it's all well done in Outlander. So therefore we should, yeah, we should transfer it over to A Discovery of Witches. Now I see a little bit less, not much. Now that that we actually have a cast um, and it's forming its own identity. But Outlander is not a discovery of witches, period, end. None of it is. I mean, the the TV show's not, the, the book's not, they're their own universes. Why somebody wants to cross-pollinate, not even cross-pollinate, but force one into the form of another. I mean, it's like square peg, round hole. Let each exist independently and they, they're, the way that things are going, a discovery of witches doesn't need to model itself on anything else. It just needs to be itself. And I just right. hope that people will just quit with the apples to oranges comparisons of the two because I, I think in the long run, well, A, it's annoying, but B, it's also it's also detriment it's detrimental to both productions because the and the funny thing is is now we're starting to see some blowback. Mm-hmm. And some folks are saying, gosh, I love the way that a discovery of witches is handling social media and people are being so much more friendly and you see the and inclusive inclusive and, and upbeat and positive. And I wish we had this And that in itself causes a chasm. Yeah, I wish we had more of this in right. Outlander. Right. And it's like uh, please stop comparing the two. Yeah. Please. Just don't. It's okay. Granted, there there's time walking and or uh, time travel in both series. And which is granted, but that's about it. You know, someone had to put on a corset or two in each of the series, right? Um, That's about it. Thank you. Oh, okay. Right. You know, Scottish. The only person who's truly Scottish in the All Souls trilogy is Hamish. And Janet. And Janet. That's right. But yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and it's annoying to us because we've been strictly All Souls trilogy. I mean, I think we're probably three people that have not read Outlander. No, that's not true. I have. I've read. I've powered through all except I think the most recent one or two. One? You did? Oh. I forced myself to. It, it got slow going. It got really slow going after a while. And to be honest with you, I gave, uh, I sold my books after I finished them because I knew I'd never pick them up again. Yeah. And I had the full set. I mean, set. not everything is for everybody. And no. yeah, I just, Outlander, uh, the first time I ever heard of Outlander is when Deb was singing its praises as far as, you know, one of her favorite book series, Outlander. And that was early on. I don't think she not so much pushes anymore. it so much now, but back then. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, Outlander, I, I loved it. And yeah, so <sighs> I mean, and, and it's it's great that there are fans of Outlander. They're also fans of Discovery of Witches, but they're two different entities. So you can be a fan of both and not have to have carbon copies of each other. In fact, I was speaking with someone on Tumblr the other day and they said there's at least 10 of us in her group that's coming from. And I thought it was cute because they said Sam and Kate Land, which means, you know, the, the co-stars, the lead stars of Outlander. Um, that's what they she called the fandom, Cam, Sam and Kate Land. But there's a draw here uh, because, I don't know, it's a new TV series of the paranormal, but it's it's definitely not even remotely the same kind of fandom either. Yeah. No, no. I mean, totally different. I'm a fan of Harry Potter and I'm a fan of also, you know, 
with the All Souls trilogy, but I don't, and they're both paranormal, but I don't try and compare them either. Right. And they, they no. mention a lot of the same things, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, that's just like Harry Potter. Well, of course. I mean, they're going to mention Nicholas Flamel. They're yeah. going to mention, you know, there, a lot of magical are things. Iconic historical figures, and there are archetypical character types uh, and seminal events that are going to travel across books in the same genre, but that doesn't mean that the books are the same. You're just drawing, yeah. all yeah. drawing from the same wellspring of inspiration. Yes. Yeah. And that's how it should be left. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will end. Save it for the show. Yes. Ta-da! Yes. Ta-da! <laughs> Even Fiona agreed. All right, so it's time for a break, and then we're going to go to last thoughts and things we can't let go of. Find our podcast wherever it is you like to listen to your podcast shows. You can contact us directly by emailing us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail. Call us at 360-519-7836. Or you can reach us on SpeakPipe. And that is speakpipe.com slash demonsdiscuss. Now become a discusser. And how you do that is go to demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the little short form, name, email address, fill out the code so we know you're not a spammer. Submit that and you'll be a discusser and we'll just get to discuss things. So do that. We embed a form on each and every one of the show notes so you can just fill that out too. That's an easy way to get a hold of us. And don't forget to visit our home base. That is demonsdomain.com. Everything we're doing, you'll find there, including our giveaways, our blog posts on the characters, on places. See everywhere Angela goes because she makes some trips, let me tell you. And we can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you on the internet. Who are we starting with? Jane. Go ahead, Jane. Yeah, I I was thinking this morning, in fact, that one of my last thoughts is the fact that annoys the crap out of me is people referring to Matthew as immortal and vampires in general as immortal. They're not really immortal. They're death resistant. Death resistant. (laughs) And Val Val gets credit for coming up with that term because I was at a loss for words as to describe how I really felt. But I mean, everybody talks about Matthew being immortal and Diana needs to be immortal with him and blah, blah, blah. But the simple fact of the matter is, is we're also talking about all these dead vampires. So vampires can't be immortal. That's true. Let's use the word correctly, people. <laughs> well, Thank he's, you. he's not really dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, but is that why they call him undead? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to throw wrenches into it. Yeah. yeah and then, that's, what I'm saying. No, that's why they're undead, not immortal. <laughs> and the only reason why I came up with death resistant is because, you know, how a phone or a watch is water resistant, yes. but that doesn't mean it's waterproof. Yes. Yeah. So he's death resistant. Vampires are not death proof. Yes. <laughs> Just ask Hancock. Oh, wait, we can't. <laughs> because he is dead. <laughs> D-E-A-D. Yeah, and not... Just like the parrot. <laughs> or is he? Oh, let me stop. <laughs> That's like tele- telenovela. Yeah, telenovela style. Or is he? He's just... Uh, no, it's Monty Python. This parrot is dead. No, he's just sleeping. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Angela, what do you have? Uh, My last thought just came up this morning because it reminded me of our personality episode, the one we did uh, where we evaluated uh, Marcus and gave our our personalities. And in another episode, we brought up, or I brought up The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And her book is finally out now, and she was on the Today Show. But it talks about tendencies people have that they're born with. So that kind of shapes your personality. But it just reminded me that, that I just will briefly go over. There's the upholder, which I think I relate to because it's the just do it and mm-hmm. they have to do lists and priorities and they're rigid and, and impatient. <laughs> so when she got to impatient, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> yeah, come on, move it along. Exactly. Val, I think you're the questioner because they're always asking, but why? Uh, Steve Jobs is a, is a questioner. They hate arbitrary or inefficient. They're data driven and they just want, you know, give me the nuts and bolts. Why am I doing this? So I think that's you. Gene, I kind of think you're the obliger. That's the, the count on me tendency, which you give, 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 and you will give to others and to your profession before you give to yourself. Um, you're extremely accountable um, and goal oriented, but if there's, you're going to let anything slide, it, it's you. <laughs> so I, I kind of think you relate to that. And then I think all three of us relate to the last one, which is the rebels. I do what I want yeah. when I want. <laughs> I even have a yeah. shirt like that. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. Yep. It says, I do what I want. It's a cat holding up his little middle finger. Well, it's not really a <laughs> yep. finger. <laughs> a digit of his paw. <laughs> <laughs> so I just yeah. would recommend if people haven't listened to our personality episode, you might enjoy it. I, it was a fun episode for us to do. And there's so many branches off of that episode that we could get into another episode probably. But the four tendencies was one of them that I had brought up late in a different episode that related to that one. So that book is available now, huh? It is. And I have to say, I, oh. I gave my input to Penguin about the, what the cover should look like. And it looks nothing like I <laughs> like I voted on. So how dare they? How dare, how dare they? they? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How dare they? Oh, I don't have very much for last thoughts. I want to think, well, do I call them discussers? Because, it, well, all the ones that commented are dis- discussers. I want to thank our Facebook group members for last minute giving me something to put up for us to read as far as their inputs in these chapters, these last chapters of A Discovery of Witches. Thank you. And thanks for being such great participants in the Facebook group. We're small, but we're mighty. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Yay. That's so much fun. So if you're interested in that and you can join Demonic Discussers and the word is, what's the word, Gene? Fucking Fire Drake. <laughs> or some variation thereof. <laughs> Just so we know that you've listened to our podcast because the Facebook group is really for podcast listeners. So we can be a little bit exclusive there if you choose to listen to us. And we can be a little bit naughty there too. And yeah, a little bit. Not so much. Not too much, but a little bit. Okay. And we are getting into fall based on the temperatures here. My heat has kicked on. And that's just telling me the year really went quickly. And um, I was looking through my files and I'm cleaning up the episodes from last year. That's 68 gigs of footage and episodes. Wow. wow that's right. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. That's a lot of we've come a, talking. Come a long way. <laughs> yeah. But apparently we like it. So yeah. I guess we're going to do it another year. We'll see. Let's give it a we'll try. We'll see how we feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that is my motto. Let's see how we feel. 
<laughs> see how we feel. Yeah. We'll go another see year on. and then we'll reevaluate and see if we'll continue. And as always, if there's something you want to hear about on the podcast, call us, write us, let us know and we'll mm-hmm. look at it. And let's add in that we have had a few suggestions of what to talk about and we haven't gotten to it quite yet, but fear not, we have not forgotten you. Yes. No, no. we haven't. No. And uh, I mean, we will follow up. I mean, proof is our personality episode because that was a listener suggestion and we went with it. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I can't come up with any other thing today besides I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just bitching a couple of weeks ago that I was too warm. Yeah, that you were. Mm. We all were. It's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it's only until next time, which is not that far off. No. Because, because no. why, Valerie? Because how often do we have episodes? Fortnightly. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're at the end of the Discovery of Witches, we are right at the beginning of something else. So think of Philippe. Endings, beginnings, change. That's right. Yes. So on that note, let's say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Demon kiss. And we'll talk to you next time, audience. Mm-hmm.